Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With the Harvey Norman Black Friday sale. Offering the best deals on sofas, dining furniture, beds, home accessories and so much more. Now, last month on the show, Joe was discussing the issue of perinatal mental health. Limerick Councillor Olivia Sullivan contacted the show to highlight some of the issues that women can experience in the immediate aftermath of the birth of their child. Good morning, Olivia. How are you? Good morning, Gillian. Olivia, obviously, do you feel this is a, a topic that is worth highlighting? What were you reminded of when you were listening to that show? Well, I guess um, I messaged in probably with a bit of empathy saying, you know, remembering my own first experience of um, becoming a mother of my first child. It's eight years ago now. Um, my daughter just turned eight. And uh, yeah, to be honest, my memories are of a tough experience first time out. Um, I probably wouldn't have said that at the time. Um, I um, experienced, like, I guess, the, the hormones that your body gets flooded with after after labour, you're not after having a baby, because I had not just labour, but I had surgery as well, because I was in an emergency section. So I had laboured, and I'd been taken to the hospital, and I was on uh, a toes of seven centimetres, and the baby was coming in delivery, and then the baby was breached, so I had to be rushed into surgery. So I guess that was my start, even though I had a fabulous pregnancy, really healthy and a wonderful time. But um, my emergency section then meant I was recovering from labour and surgery at the same time. Um, I had been in the high dependency unit because my blood levels were really low. So I guess my start was difficult. And then uh, trying to establish breastfeeding was very difficult for me because I had um, my daughter had an undiagnosed tongue tie for five weeks, which means that the... I don't know if you're familiar with tongue tie, but it means that there's a band yeah. of tissue at the bottom of the baby's tongue. Yeah, the nephew who had it. It, it, it it's, yeah. it's fairly common and fairly minor, but it's very problematic if it's not it, picked up on. Exactly. You mightn't even notice. And uh, My daughter had a posterior tongue tie, so it wasn't visually visible by looking. But it means that the tongue uh, the tongue's movement is restricted. And trying to establish breastfeeding, the, act, the action of the baby's tongue is really important with the latch and um, with the, them taking in the milk. So it, it, it caused huge problems. It means that the baby isn't taking in milk properly. So my um, ch- my baby wasn't gaining weight as they should have been. And the public health nurse is getting worried. And then after five weeks um, or so that she's actually losing weight. And of course, you're feeling like such a failure as a new mother. You know, you're trying to get your head around this new, like it's like landing yourself into a new career where you have zero experience in it, you know. And um, uh eventually actually I remember there was a midwife in the, in the maternity and she had come around to my room and she had said to me just casually keep an eye on that in case that becomes a posterior tongue tie she'd been looking at my baby and it stayed with me and I actually just thought after five weeks I said I have to rule that out just in case it came back to me and went into the fabulous breastfeeding clinic in UMHL um, the two Margarets who have retired now but they were both they're both legendary in the breastfeeding community Margaret O'Leary and I can't remember the second surname Margaret forgive me but um I, they immediately saw that it was a posterior tongue tie and I got referred to Justin, uh, Dr. Justin Roach in, in Clonmel. It's a very simple procedure to get it rectified. But I had gone through five weeks, I suppose, of, um, uh, I suppose, pain, uh, you know, considerable pain, but actually the emotional pain is harder than the physical pain when, when, you're, when your plan is, you know, I wanted to, to breastfeed, you know. Um, so that's, so my start was quite difficult and then I was I was combination feeding and not having a clue what I was doing trying to combine 
um, a bit of uh, for, uh, formula feeding and breastfeeding at the same time because there's no guidance on that anywhere. And Olivia, um, did you get lots of unasked for advice from various people? Of course. And, you know, I think because I, I feel like I had a, a tough start and then the high anxiety of being a new mother, which is um, which is fueled as well by the hormones. You know, you feel like something's going to happen to your baby at every corner. <laughs> you know, mm. you feel like something's going to go wrong, that you don't know what you're doing. Um, of course, people are giving you loads of advice, but I wasn't in a place to really be able to take a lot of it on. Um, my own mother would have tried her best and probably would have just been pushing my buttons and, and you know, <laughs> and uh, and I would have been pushing her, pushing her back. You know? That's so, a pretty um, common story. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as I said, you, you feel a bit like a headless chicken, you know, you're, you're a bit in the cloud. Well, I certainly was because I was recovering from surgery, you're on, you know, medication and um, you have an idea about how it's going to go and that idea can be very quickly, that lovely uh, idea can be very quickly um, can come crashing down. Yeah, now, and I, there's I, a lot I, of pressure, you know, for it to be this sort of halcyon dream where everything is going wonderful and it's all glowing and, the, you know, new is, baby. And you know something, and if, you, if you looked at the photographs I shared on my social media at the time, you'd probably think that's how it was going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because this is, this, is the, this is what we project. You know, we're not generally not saying good at saying I certainly was not good at saying I might be struggling here. I, you know, I, I wasn't good at asking for help. I think I've been I've been lucky in life with my health, and I've never previously had reason to view myself as vulnerable. So, like, I've worked since I'm 16. I've been self-employed for a lot of my career. I've um, always, you know, been reliant on myself a lot. So I was always someone who um, who figures things out, basically. So I'm, I'm, I wasn't good at asking for help. I had a great GP. Um, the midwives in the hospital were brilliant. My obstetrician... Um, uh, Dr. Cotter and my public health nurse doing everything that she could. But if you're not prepared to ask for help yourself, you know, there's only so much they can do. So if you're not prepared to... I, I, I even think um, I couldn't acknowledge what I was going through. I definitely wouldn't have had any labels for it and I w- wouldn't have been able to identify what I was going through because you are, as I said, in the clouds a little bit. You are operating on a different kind of a headless chicken yeah. way. You know, you're, you're trying to um, be a mother. You're trying to be everything that that entails. And you, your own self is last. Like you're not really thinking about. Well, I certainly wasn't thinking about how am I feeling and all this. I, I don't think I had any time or gave myself any time to think about that. I think there's something as well that's not frequently acknowledged in that motherhood is sometimes a competitive sport. In that you know, you know, you get a lot of mothers asking, "Is your child doing this yet? My child's doing that. Is already standing up." And the you know, how many how many times did they wake in the night? I mean, when you have a new baby. People are always asking, are they good sleepers? Are they this? It all adds to the pressure that new mothers are put under. And then when you throw in the kind of complications that you experienced, it makes for something that really is traumatic and isn't all about unicorns and rainbows. Absolutely. You know, and it was so different when I had my um, my second baby. Um, I had a very different experience. And the confidence you have having done it once and being able to completely ignore all of that, you know, with um, in comparison to first time around when you feel like you're being judged at every corner and you do, you know, you feel like everyone is making a comparison or a judgment or and all that kind of thing as they sleep through the night and all that, you know, I, I mean, I, I, it's not, it's not a fair question. It's also not a competition. As you said, it, it's ridiculous that that becomes um, competitive because, mm. um, you know, babies actually weren't designed to sleep through the night, you know, at that age, they're not, uh, you know, 
So, you know, some babies might, and that's wonderful, but um, mothers shouldn't be putting themselves under that kind of pressure. I always, my attitude was always, it's not about them waking up during the night, it's about them getting back to sleep. Once they can go back to sleep, it's no problem. Everyone can go back to sleep, you know. Um, but mothers definitely shouldn't be putting themselves under that pressure. And I'm thinking particularly if there's any, you know, there, there could be new mothers listening to us chatting now, which is the whole point, isn't it, about discussing this. And there could be new mothers at home or there could be somebody listening who, who's, whose daughter has just had a, a new baby. And, um, you, you know, and you know, sometimes asking, you can't really ask a direct question sometimes because I don't think if someone had said to me, are you struggling? I certainly wouldn't have answered yes and said, yes, can you help me? Because not, it wasn't in that, um, I wasn't in that place at all to be able to accept that maybe I was struggling or maybe accept that I, I, I need help. It's, it comes in very different ways. Like I certainly think I did a baby massage class, for example, when my baby was very small and I was there with other mothers of baby of babies of the same age. Some of them knew mothers, some of them had older children and that was hugely beneficial which I, I felt off from mothers during COVID, all that was taken away from them, all those kind of supports. I mean, it, it, the baby massage class is, is, is a lot less about the baby massage sometimes and a lot more about the chats over the cup of coffee after it. Yeah. You know, when the moms are sitting around together. Um, Sharing their experiences and supporting the, and, each other. And you're kind of okay with talking to other mothers because they're going through the same thing. You're kind of, have you tried this? How are you getting on with that? Did you have a problem with that? It's a much easier conversation than the are they sleeping through the night conversation, you know, which can be which can be more difficult and kind of get people's defensiveness off of this. How, how did all of this impact on dad? Well, dad, dad feels a bit, uh, a, bit guilt, a, a bit guilty in some respects now because he wasn't as aware. But you know something, like he was he was commuting to work and, and his job was in Cork at the time, so he was commuting. He was gone twelve hours a day. He'd be gone out the door at six, and he back at six in the evening. And probably unaware. And then, you know, he's used to me, again, as being someone who probably gets on with things. And um, if I didn't ask for help, he wouldn't have probably known, you know, that I didn't, that I that I needed it. Because um, I wouldn't have probably have been good. I mean, he's obviously a huge support when he was here. I'd be waiting. Sometimes I went back to work early when my daughter was five months and um, worked on a, a contract for, for um that year, but then her second year was particularly difficult for me. And actually, even since when I've read things about um, perinatal mental health, it's always to do with the first year of a baby's life. Um, but I do think that there can be like a delayed onset. Like, I, I don't even know. I'm not comfortable with saying postnatal depression because if I'm talking about the second year of a baby's life, I don't know if, if, that, if that's what you call it. But I definitely went through a really low spell in the second year of my baby's life when I was um, back working from home and feeling very isolated. Um, and um, yeah, that was a tougher time now, I have to say. And what would be your biggest tip to anyone who's listening and might be going through the same? Um, I'd like to say ask for help, even though I know if I had heard someone at the time, you know, um, that I don't know if I would have taken it. I would say look for the supports around you, take support. And it, that might mean, you know, going to uh, a class with other mothers, whatever class, whether it's a, a fitness class where you could bring your baby along or whether it is a baby massage class or, or whatever it is, go to a space where there's other new mothers. Um, thankfully, a lot of those are back now, you know, since uh, COVID took it away. I, I really feel for new mothers during it was such a difficult time um, when everything was shut down. But I would say 
find your support. I, I should have talked to my GP more, maybe. Again, you know, be good at reaching out. And a lot of people, like there are, if you're, if you're really struggling, you need to talk to your GP. They can refer you for um, a perinatal mental health service if you need it in your baby's first year. And there are a lot of mothers who avail of that service who, who, who regret not availing of it sooner because you can't get the time back, you know. Um, I, I'm grateful that I didn't have um, I didn't have a detachment from my baby or anything at that level. I do think breastfeeding helped me in that con- in that way because oxytocin is is released in your brain, you know, and the baby's brain during breastfeeding, and, and that that's the happy hormone, you know. And I do think um, that was something that that helped me, even though I struggled and and, uh, and and with combination feeding, I still persisted with a bit of breastfeeding and. Suppose it was my, you know, that was in my own plan with my own preference. So that helps me. But you have to find, you know, you have to find the supports that are going to help yourself. But your GP has to be a start. Your public health nurse is visiting you at home. Um, definitely, my public health nurse was the one who was seeing me in my real state more than anybody else. My husband obviously was, and he was home from work and that. But um, you know, she would have seen more than anyone else and been able to say, you know, you need a bit of help there or that's not working out or, you know, you're a bit wrecked to love you, <laughs> you know, which sounds very blunt. But if you develop a good relationship with your public health nurse, that it can really help. They will do their best for you. I do think the people that I came across, um, whether it was GP or midwives or an um, obstetrician, public health nurse, they, everyone tried to do their best for me. I wouldn't fault any of them. Um but uh, but it's still a very difficult time, um, and and I don't think mothers stop to think of themselves when they're trying to deal with becoming a new mom and they have a little baby in front of them, and it's all about the baby, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that's very good advice, Olivia. And I sometimes see all these influencers, and I'm delighted for them with their new babies, and congratulations to all of them. But they do very much present a. a, a perfect looking world which is not the reality you experienced and it's certainly not the reality I experienced Uh, Olivia thanks so much for joining us on Limerick Today this morning with that story Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95 with the Harvey Norman Black Friday sale offering the best deals on sofas, dining furniture beds, home accessories and so much more